1: over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. As you can probably tell by the fact that I'm introing this podcast, I am without Kirk Henderson, our managing editor, and I'm solo tonight because, to be quite honest, I wanted the rest of the staff to not put too much thought into this one. Just go to bed, enjoy the rest of their, their evenings because, you know, really, it's kind of hard to talk about this kind of game. The Mavericks lose to the Sacramento Kings 95 to 94 on a last second buzzer beating three. Um, it's, it's really tough. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but it's just a fresh, such a frustrating game that I figured I would just come in here. Kirk needed a night off. He's had a hellacious couple of weeks and why have everyone stay up and be cranky. We got our, we got the recap and stats up on the site. Everyone else just go to bed. I'll take the bullet here, uh, and we can talk about this and, and get out of here, and everyone can enjoy the day because I'm sure you guys listening uh, are mad too. And I understand it's a pretty deflating loss. The Sacramento Kings are not a good team, much in the same way they weren't a good team last year when they beat the Mavericks three times. So don't know really... Don't really know what it is about the Kings that the Mavericks can't seem to get over, but it keeps happening. Dallas appeared in control of this game for a majority of it. They came out really strong in the first half. um, especially in the first quarter, I should I should probably say, because the first half, not all of the first half was good. I mean, they were up 30 to 20 at the end of the first quarter. The ball was moving great. The Brunson, Frank Nil Aquina, backcourt is playing some inspired basketball right now i think um frank is playing some especially good basketball you know even with his shot not being there consistently um the mavericks had a horrible second quarter just absolutely horrendous second quarter where they just kind of fell apart Uh, brunson was on the bench for a very long portion of it i believe with foul trouble i can't remember for sure uh right now off the top of my head but uh, the team kind of fell apart when Brunson went to the bench because uh, the Mavericks signed a, a, you know, former Boston Celtics hero Isaiah Thomas to a 10-day with Brandon Knight and Boban Marjanovic going into COVID protocols. So, you know, with Luka out, with Brandon Knight out, with Trey Burke out, uh, Isaiah Thomas had to be the backup point guard, uh, and it was not great. And the game kind of went to hell when Brunson sat out for that extended stretch in the second quarter. And really, the Mavericks outplayed the Kings. Really, three out of the four quarters, and they just lost that second quarter so poorly that the Kings were able to win a buzzer-beater in the fourth. Because I mean, if the Mavericks just play a normal second quarter, um, they're not even—they're probably not even in a position to lose to a last-second buzzer-beating three um, for Met 2. Uh, I'm just not even going to try to say his, his first name because uh, it's really late and I'm tired and I'm really bad with pronouncing professional athletes' names. So um, I'll just say myself the embarrassment there. Now that we've kind of generally looked at the game and how it flowed, let's just talk about what everyone's talking about online, what everyone's getting mad about online, what maybe I am getting mad about online, um, the last defensive possession you know, Metu hits the three, corner three at the buzzer to win the game. There's been quite frankly a lot of really confusing discussion around this defensive possession and I'm kind of troubled by what were what the focus seemed to be, you know, at least on my timeline. Look, social media is a mess and what someone's timeline looks like to you isn't what it looks like to someone else. And maybe I just got a bad luck with people that were uh, just the the people that happen to be replying and the, and the tweets I happen to see in my timeline. But um, I don't know about y'all, but allowing a professional basketball player to be extremely wide open for a corner three pointer. When you're down to with less than five seconds, le- when you're up to with less than five seconds left, that's not good defense. I, I don't care what met shooting for the season. I don't care what he's shooting on corner threes. Uh, that's a practice shot. Um, and that's, a a catastrophe on the defensive end if that's what you end up with uh i got into a little bit back and forth with uh mavs.com do it all uh i mean it's not just mavs.com just dallas mavericks uh do it all media guy bobby corrala who is a friend i know in person um You know, we've talked a bunch in person. I used to go to Mavericks games. I saw him there. You know, I've seen him at events. Like, good dude. We're friendly. So I hope no one, if anyone sees our our tweets going back and forth, if you think that, like, we're, like, really actually – like, Bobby's a good dude. Uh, He's a friend. And we're just talking hoops online. It's not that serious. Um, And I think what happened was – the discussion somehow started to get tilted towards would you rather De'Aaron Fox shoot a potentially wide open or or a relatively open layup or a guy like Metu who is a career 26.6% shooter, is shooting 24% on threes this season, shoot an open three-pointer. And of course, you know, of course, when you're looking at it from that standpoint and you have the two choices of, wide open or relatively wide open layup or wide open three pointer from a bad three point shooter. There's only one choice. You you, the, you, you let the guy take the bat. You let the bad three point shooter take the bad three point shot. I wasn't trying to, to argue that what I'm arguing is I, I just saw so many tweets and so many responses that were just like, uh, as soon as the game ended, they were just like, well, you know, what are you going to do? The bad three point shooter made a shot and what you're gonna do, you know what you're gonna do is not allow your defense to get so compromised in 3.8 seconds that the best option you can come up with is a professional basketball player shooting a wide open corner three-point shot when you're up 2 like, that's unacceptable. It was a horrible defensive possession. Like, a rotten defensive possession. Frank Nilekina got immediately beat right off the bounce. The very first dribble De'Aaron Fox took on that possession, he was already past Frank. And that cannot happen. Uh, you have to be able to stay in front in that scenario. And especially with De'Aaron Fox, he's also struggling with his perimeter game and his jumper. Why are you crowding him so much up to? Uh, with 3.8 seconds left. I just do not understand that decision-making from Frank, who has made good defensive plays for the Mavericks in the last two weeks, and that's a real shame. Uh, And he gets beat. And, yes, I know that you can argue should Dwight Powell have rotated or not. A lot of Mavs fans in my replies are really mad at Dwight Powell for rotating to to stop a De'Aaron Fox layup. And, look, I get it. Uh, I get the arguments both ways. The math favors, you know, leaving Metu open in the corner. Um, but also, you know, you can't lose when you're up to, you can't lose on a made layup, uh, you know, unless you foul the guy. Like, if you just let him score, you know, you go to overtime and, and you take your chances. I just don't, like, when you're playing basketball, you don't let, you don't let guys make layups with 3.8 you know, like, that's not the mentality that you should have. And Dwight Powell, when he's on the floor, like, basketball is such a fast game. Like, he's not watching Darren Fox and thinking, okay, this, you know, Metu is a, is a 24% shooter. Uh, you know, he might be thinking that because, you know, he's rotating off of Metu, and he probably knows, hey, this guy's a bad shooter, so I'm going to leave him and help my teammates out and hope that my teammates behind me can can pick up the slack because that's that's freaking basketball 101, right? Someone helps, and you help the helper? Uh, I don't know what happened to the Mavericks defense after Pal rotated. And you could be mad at Dwight Powell for all you want, but he rotated over to help his teammate who got beat immediately without any real action. You know, just a straight line drive dribble move with 3.8 seconds left. And he helped. And I don't fault Powell for that. You know, if the, if the Mavericks were up three in that situation, like obviously, you know, you let the guy shoot the two-pointer and you should let him shoot the layup. It doesn't matter. But like, when you're up two, like there should be no okay. Well, let's just play, you know. <laughs> like the mentality uh, for a, d- a defense should not be, well, if it's a two, just let them have it, like you know. Like you don't play for overtime; you play to win the damn game, right? Like I'm, I feel like I'm I'm taking st- uh, crazy pills here with some of the reactions I've seen to Pal's decision to rotate out to stop what it was what should have could have been a, a relatively open layup from Darren Fox, like. I don't blame Pal for that. That's just insti- like that's just dr- born drilled into your skull as a basketball player, especially one Pal who's been playing as long as he has from from youth all the way up there. You help, you help your your teammate there who got beat. The problem is, is no one helped Pal. You know, Jalen Brunson had his back to the play and was glued to Harrison Barnes and didn't even leave him. You know, I don't understand. There's some countering to that. That's like, well, okay, well if Brunson. You know, you're playing, you know, if Brunson leaves Barnes. Well, now you're leaving Barnes, who's a good three-point shooter wide open. Metu shot the ball with one and a half seconds left. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I would prefer the Mavericks rotate out to Metu and have him make a pass under some slight duress with less than two seconds left and then take my chances with whatever Harrison Barnes can do uh, with a second left, like you, do people really think that was going to be a clean look if you rotate over? With how much time was left? There's only 3.8 seconds left. There's only so much you can do. If you keep rotating, and you you're either going to force the Kings to keep passing the ball around the horn, and the buzzer runs out, or one of these guys is going to have to put up a forced and contested pressured shot. If you're rotating correctly, if you're not rotating correctly, it it the discussion shouldn't be about. You know percentages and what's better you know to do this or to do that it should be no why wasn't the defense better why wasn't frank uh able to to contain fox you know right off the dribble on that possession why wasn't the the mavericks defense behind dwight Powell able to rotate like that's what we should be talking about and to reduce that conversation to kind of just throwing your hands up and be like ah well what are you gonna do you are the bad three-point shooter made the made the shot no like that. That stifles discussion, and it, and it takes you know it, it it makes it feel like it's inevitable, and that the Mavericks didn't have a hand in w- in what happened in the results of the game. And I just hate that. I hate that. Um, I mean, part of it is you know I'm a guy that's paid to talk about the team, and when you when you when you try to buy into that type of narrative, it makes it harder to talk because how do you counter that? You know. Uh, it, it takes away from talking about the nuance of the game. And isn't that like why we're here? Like why we're, why the hardcore of us are listening to these podcasts and reading articles and why we're writing stuff and, you know, we read other stuff. Like that's the whole point. Why we're here. Uh, it's crazy. It was a terrible defensive possession. Do not, do not defend any part of that defensive possession. Um, do not say that it was cool that the Mavericks let it, you know, that's not cool. <laughs> Play better defense. Like, uh, it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that complicated just play better defense um and you win the game <sighs> and i feel like what's really crazy is that that's probably you know they played such a, a catastrophic defensive possession to close the game that it's taking away from the laundry list of issues the team had in the final two minutes going up uh to to that final possession uh because the mavericks had a chance um you know Kristaps Przingis made two free throws with about 30, 33 seconds left. Uh, You know, Jalen Brunson made a jumper to tie the game with, I think, like a minute. Um, The Mavericks were in control, you know, position to win this game, and they didn't. And it's, you know, obviously the bad possession at the end of the game hurts, but also the possessions before were just as painful. Um you know, the Mavericks offense in the final two minutes, you know, after, you know, they they got down in the second in the second quarter, they came back in the third and the fourth, reclaimed the lead, played really well, you know, up until, you know, the final five minutes of, of the game, and they did it by kind of going back to what they were doing in the first quarter, moving the ball, getting timely makes from role players. Dorian Finney-Smith had a huge sequence where he came into the game, made a three-pointer, and then had a driving dunk, and, and it looked like the Mavericks were back on track from and looking like they were looking like in the first quarter where the ball was really pinging around the floor uh guys were getting you know deep into the paint and then making passes out from there uh and then in the last couple minutes it will you know last 3 to 2 to 3 minutes it was let's stop the ball you know we're up 90 to 88 with with 341 left let's just park the bus and let's uh, you know, run out the shot clock and let Kristaps Przingis take contested post-up shots. And I know Kristaps Przingis has improved in the post this year, but that's just ter- like with the way the Mavericks were playing to completely stop down their offense and the way they were playing for the first 75% of this game. And then for this final moment to just do something they weren't doing for the entire game, stop all rhythm. You know, you had Jalen Brunson who had a really good night, 11 of 19 from the floor, tw- 25 points, a game high 25 points I might add and you're instead of letting him potentially create with his passing or create with his scoring we're gonna just slow the possession down grind the offense down to nothing and then let Kristaps take contested fading post-up shots as the shot clock expires like that's horrible like they were just punting the game away from there Uh, and they were lucky that the Kings weren't able to to capitalize even more uh, than they, than they did. And they freaking won Uh, the final possession for the Mavericks on offense before the Kings won the game with the Met two three pointer was a disaster. Uh, They based, you know, Brunson is holding the ball, you know, on the, on the wing right around where, you know, the three point line shortens and goes into the corner. He's kind of stuck in that area, which is not a good place to be like, There's not a lot of room there where that three-point line shifts and it shifts into the corner. Uh, And he's just holding the ball. And you give it to Kristaps with like four seconds left. And he shoots a fading 12-footer that doesn't even hit the rim. Shot clock violation. The Kings have 4.3 seconds left. If Przingis takes that shot with 4.8, I mean if it hits the rim the Kings probably have the ball with like th- 3 or 2 seconds left or the Mavericks have a chance at an offensive rebound the game might have ended if Kristaps could just get that ball on the rim uh, just considering the craziness that can happen you know during an, a rebounding possession but the Mavericks didn't even give themselves a chance it was it was a, it was a uh, it, it was an airball shot clock violation they couldn't even fight for the rebound if they wanted to uh, it was just terrible and then you go from that to the Mavericks had a foul to give uh, with there was four point three seconds left. They had a foul to give, and Dorian Finney Smith with five fouls commits the foul to give. I understand you want a foul, you know, you have a foul to give and you want to use it, but why is it Dorian? And the worst part about it is, is that Dorian did it to Tyrese Halburton, who was catching the ball going away from the basket with three point eight seconds left. Uh, I don't know about you, but I would have liked to I would have rather seen what that offensive possession would have played out rather than what happened on the ensuing possession where De- Darren Fox catches the ball cleanly and blows right past Frank Nilakina. Like if you want to give the foul, you know, they didn't get you know, you give the foul there when when you get beat. Uh and you try to foul before the shot attempt and you make them reset. Dorian wasn't beat. Halbert was not in a position to win that game with a clean shot. Uh and now, not only do you sort of waste the foul to give when you didn't need to necessarily use it, but one of your best defenders and one of your leaders on the team can't play the final defensive possession. And then you know who also didn't play the final de- defensive possession? It was Christoph Porzingis, who, weirdly enough, is one of your best defenders and the best rim protector, best shot blocker on your team. You know, if the Mavericks were up three and they needed to guard a three, that might make sense to put in Josh Green for Christops and leave Dwight Powell in there because he's a little bit more uh, fleet of foot. But when you're up two, and 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 you know the other team could be going for a layup, why don't you have one of your best defenders and shot blockers in the game? I, I don't. It it was a. Uh, It was a multitude of errors. It was not a well-coached game in the final two minutes. It was not a well-played game in the final two minutes for the Mavericks. And just about everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And every choice they had, uh, they had the right choice or the wrong choice, and they basically made the wrong choice every single time for the last three, two to three minutes of the game. And that's a shame because this was a winnable game, and the Mavericks were coming off what was probably the – I don't think it was their most impressive win because the Portland Trailblazers are very bad, but it was probably their the most feel good win if that makes sense in terms of just getting the vibes of the team back on track and just stomping that tra- that horrible Trailblazers team with replacement players. I mean, you you come off that Portland game and you're basically two and two since the COVID outbreak really hit, and your two losses are. Fourth quarter heartbreakers to the Utah Jazz in Utah, who was at who were at full strength, and a Milwaukee Bucks team that didn't have Giannis but still had Drew Holiday, still had Chris Middleton, and then you beat the Timberwolves with basically no one on your roster except guys that just signed, and, and maybe you know Jalen Brunson, and the Wolves had Carl Anthony Towns and DeAndre Russell. Like it was a really inspiring four game stretch of basketball. It was fun to watch. They showed moments of it again for about you know three and a half quarters, three quarters, and then to just end the game and lose it, and you go right back down to two games under five hundred. Like that's just that's tough. Uh, It was it's not a good not a good win. It's not a good loss. Uh, All losses for the Mavericks right now are bad. There's no such thing as really a good loss for this team. But considering, excuse me. Considering where this game, where this team was going, you know, another win to get to five hundred without Luca and without Reggie Bullock, without Tim Hardaway Jr., without Maxi Kleba, it would have felt good for this team. It, it would have felt really good, I think. Um, and instead, they're two games under. They got to play this Sacramento team again on New Year's Eve. Then they got to go to Oklahoma City, which is hopefully maybe a bit of a reprieve for them. But the schedule does not get easier um, in the next few weeks. Uh, they play Denver on Monday, and while Denver is also decimated, uh, Nikola Jokic is playing some in- incredible basketball, maybe even better than his MVP season. Right after that, they play Golden State. They play Houston, who is not a good team, but is also a little bit past the the. The horribleness of that they showed earlier, like they're a bit more feisty. Uh, they're still a bad team, but they're they're way feistier than they were when the Mavericks first faced them early in the season. Then you got Chicago, who's one of the best teams in the league right now, playing really great basketball. New York, not doing too great, but Memphis, who's playing well. Like I'm looking at the schedule for January, and the Mavericks just don't. They don't have the stretches where they play two or three games in a row against teams that are really bad. Um, Their next, like, easy stretch of games, if you want to call it easy, um, you know, they play Orlando, Oklahoma City, Toronto uh, in the middle of January, and then they play Portland, Indiana, Orlando, Oklahoma City. Um, But again, that's about it. In between that, they're playing Memphis a couple times, they're playing Golden State twice, they're playing Phoenix, they're playing Chicago, they're playing Denver. Um, It's just tough. Where the Mavericks are right now, you know, no game feels... Like you know, even the games against these bad you know against Oklahoma City against the Houston you know with the way the Mavericks are playing these aren't necessarily gimmies, so it's it's gonna be tough. Yeah, they need to get some guys back. I mean, they need to get Luca back, obviously. Um, they I could I could live, take or leave the other guys because I've really been impressed and and having a lot of fun watching you know, the end of the bench and and replacement level players come in and play some some really inspiring basketball with with really good effort. So we'll see where it goes from there, but I think I'm going to call it. I've talked way too much about this game. It was a very disappointing game. Uh, Stay up late. You know, it was a late West Coast game for for those of us uh, that are watching in Texas or the Central Times or the East Coast even. To stay up for that game, you'd hear it. I'm yawning right now, so I, I should probably go to bed. Uh, again, Mavericks lose a heartbreaker, a heartbreaker to the Sacramento Kings 95 94. They lose on a corner three pointer at the buzzer by the Kings. Mavericks are now back to two games under 500 at 16 and 18, and they play the Sacramento Kings New Year's Eve Friday night, Friday late, <laughs> Friday early evening, maybe uh, 5 p.m and presumably me and kirk will both be back for that game so we'll we'll just talk to you guys then this is josh bow for Mazwoneyball.com and mazwinningball after dark and we will talk to you to get ready for the new year